It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz, the 13th of October. An incredible practice yesterday. Offense, is there a way Quinn can make this team score? And predictions from numbers geeks, do we buy them? It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. You can get it on, well, I hope, on Android, iTunes, TuneIn, your Alexa, your Google Home, whatever it is. This is available for you. Thanks so much for tuning in. Now, we yesterday had a huge move on the network, moved some of our main shows over to Megaphone, a new format for us. Really excited for the partnership with Malcolm Gladwell's uh, place that they have their podcast, Panoply Big Day. It does not entirely seem to be going perfectly. Uh, and if you're having a hard time getting the show, please let me know. Either Facebook, uh, Twitter, at Lockdown Sports, David Locke, or Lockdown Sports on Facebook, or uh, just email me at dlock09 at gmail.com. Let me know if you had a problem so we can try to address it. I want to dig right into the show. I do want to um, welcome another new sponsor onto the show, The Advocates. Are joining us. Uh, I had a re- I went over to their cool office in downtown. Actually, they're not quite in downtown. They're right that in that area that's exploding of popularity between Salt Lake and the um, University of Utah. And sat down with them and uh, was super impressed with the efficiency uh, by which they get things done. Uh, and uh, it was cool, really, really cool to see how businesses work in that regard. Uh, today's show also brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai. Uh, interesting business stuff going on with Blake and Murdoch Hyundai at 4646 South State Street. I'll tell you a little bit about that coming up. All right, yesterday's practice, I always have to be a little careful of what I reveal. I, the Jazz are so great to me uh, that they allow me to go in and see these practices. i got to share, yesterday was one of those days where you're just in- incredibly – well, I think I'm pretty pleased to be in the building every day. But every now and then there's a day where it's a basketball 101 session. You feel like you have just learning a ton. Uh, the players yesterday were totally engaged. Uh, the effort level was through the roof. It was a hard practice, one of the hardest uh, conditioning NBA practices I've seen in some time. Uh, some old school stuff, even a free throw shooting contest at the end to prevent having to run again. Uh, and some team interesting aspects to that, the way Quinn did it. Again, I, I, I apologize. I'm kind of giving you like a piece of the cake, but not necessarily the frosting or however you want to say it. But it was really, it was really incredible practice to watch. Quinn um, opened it up by kind of talking to them about two things that they really needed to work on and improve upon in his opinion and the uh and then from there it and they were interesting because i they almost conflicted with each other so in other words if one person's working on one of them offensively and the other's working on the other one which is defensive they were then absolutely diametrically opposed that for both of them to do it well at the same time was going to be a convergence of force. 
And so that kind of set the tone for the practice. And there was it was it was really an interesting practice. One thing that was particularly interesting is that Favors and Gobert went head to head a lot. And the, you know Derek is moving well and playing well. So you've got two of the better big men in the NBA practicing against each other. The other one is just the level of effort and commitment that these guys went to was was really really high. And uh, I, I just. I ju- it jumped out to me, and then the having Quinn Quinn was on his game is also, and Quinn was abs was was completely zeroed in on detail level of details. Int- really, interesting. and then and Donovan shared a little bit of it uh, afterwards when he was talking about what it was like to play point guard and how you know where you bring the ball up on the floor. Uh, if you think of the floor kind of in five lanes, wide left, wide right, middle left, middle left, and dead middle, um, or mid left and mid right, so five lanes. You know, a lot of these offenses are predicated on where you bring the ball up the floor. Some of the pe- point guards in the past few years have, have really struggled with that. And so to watch Quinn working that and teaching it, Ricky gets it pretty intuitively, and then watching Ricky uh, work with it. There was a play where on an early push with Ricky – he had the ball on the left side of the floor all the way wide left. So you can see what he's trying to create with a field. He's got his eye open. He pushes down to the baseline trying to flatten the defense. Nothing's quite there. He takes a step back out, then swirls back on the baseline. His head's now up, and the defense actually at this point widens out because they're aware of Ricky's ability to pass. And he actually flips up a reverse layup up and in. And just the control he had, this understanding of where to be on the floor. He kept the ball all the way to the far sideline and then all the way attached to the baseline the whole time, uh, in, in a sense using incredible spacing at that moment for that. And uh, really was, was truly an awesome effort there by uh, Ricky and what he was just kind of doing that. There, there were, um, I don't know, it, the other one that jumped out to me yesterday at practice was the depth. And we've talked about this a lot, but uh, Neto didn't practice. So Donovan was – and without Dante. So you're getting thin there. Uh, and and so Donovan is, is head up on Ricky when they were kind of going at it. But you had 10 really high-quality players on the floor uh, in the initial – and then they started subbing guys in who are still good. But, I mean, the first group uh, was a really interesting – kind of way to watch these guys go head-to-head in battle. But the 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 level of detail that Quinn was on last night, yesterday, the, the other coaches' involvement, the players' commitment to excellence, the effort level. I mean, I, I would be curious how much they do today. Like, I thought it was that hard to practice. I thought the guys – and it wasn't necessarily that Quinn made it that hard. It was that they – the effort level – that they put out and the commitment to trying to get better was it was clear that you know they had finished preseason they'd had a day off they were aware of the fact that this regular season was right around the corner it was pretty pretty awesome to watch uh, today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai that is at forty six forty six South State Street uh, so I think you hopefully have heard the story by now because you've listened to the show a lot that we we've 
I sat down, got to know the Murdoch family. Now got to know uh, more of them. In fact, uh, spent some time down at Woods Cross with with Tyson down there. And so the first thing I was impressed with was the Murdoch family and how they've passed on over ninety one years this this lineage of service and commitment. The other one uh, that's been interesting is getting to know the business model a little bit. So here's I hope Blake doesn't mind me telling you this. So the way Blake works with Hyundai is that Blake buys all the cars. And so it's not like they're on loan. If he doesn't sell, he just sends them back. Like he buys all of the cars. So all those cars that are sitting on his lot right now in October need to go because he's got the new ones coming in and this is his inventory. And if his inventory doesn't go, then he ends up swallowing it. So that's not good for him. So in October, he's got $6,000 off that Santa Fe sport. I drove, uh, when I first had the partnership with him and got to know him that, that I like so much. Um, he's also got, I think, $6,500 off the Sonata right now. So if you're in the market, I would, again, I'm not going to tell you what car to buy. I just think, let me tell you what's out there. Hyundai's not a brand that I necessarily would have thought of initially. Put it on your list. Um, I was excited to find out yesterday that Alyssa and Robert Davis were down at Murdoch Hyundai and had bought a brand new Tucson. Uh, so a shout out, Alyssa. I've known Alyssa for a long time. Her family, the Smiths, uh, are good friends of our family from uh, running around. Alyssa and her sisters used to take care of my kids uh, at various times. So uh, neat to see that they headed down there. So shout out to Robert and Alyssa. Thank you for supporting our sponsors. It's Murdoch Hyundai, 4646 South State Street. They're also in Logan and in Linden. Life is complicated, especially right now. You're spending more time inside, unable to go to restaurants, and that means you're cooking dinner. But if you're like me, I hate cooking. Multiple trips to the grocery store, hours of monotonous meal prep just so you can scarf down your food in minutes. So when it's dinner time, I grab my phone, open up an app, and order something. But after convenience fees, delivery fees, and who knows whatever other fees, it ends up being close to $100 for two people. But then I met Freshly. Just put up your feet and relax while Freshly chefs and nutritionists do all the hard work. All you do is heat for three minutes and dinner's done. Imagine a better for you golden oven fried chicken, steak peppercorn with sauteed carrots and French green beans, and my personal favorite, buffalo chicken with loaded mashed cauliflower. It's got fewer carbs. That's just a few of the 30-plus health-conscious options to choose from. Freshly understands that food needs to be delicious, healthy, and simple, because let's be honest here, if it's not easy, I'm not going to do it, and if it doesn't taste good, I don't want to eat it. Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off, $40 off for their first two orders at Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. So, Baxter Holmes, ESPN wrote a great piece on how the Warrior offense was built. Uh, he also, uh, it's worth, it's good dig, good long-form. Baxter's really talented uh, to read. It's interesting to me also, there's two things in regards to the Jazz offense this year that I'm wondering about. So the one I've talked about a ton and did yesterday with DJ and PK, or today with DJ and PK, sorry, uh, is... The idea that you've got Ricky Rubio, Rudy Gobert pick and roll. You've got three shooters, Mitchell, Hood, uh, Hood, Ingles, Johnson, Jarebko, spaced. And that gets hard to guard, that Rudy puts enough pressure on top of the rim. Rubio's a good enough ball handler that if Ricky, if 
Rudy gets any type of step, Ricky's going to put it up on top of the rim. If Ricky's actually a, a good enough mid-range shooter, you don't entirely want to leave him, but teams are going to go under on that every time. And and that the Jazz are going to be able to possibly, you know, get get some action there. And that if a third guy has to come in to chuck Rudy, and, and make sure you understand, you've got a guy in each quarter. You've got somebody lifted weak side, angle left. Let's call it Rudy. Rubio comes off the pick left to right. Uh, with favors, you're moving somebody into another spot somewhere. You're a little clogged here with favors on the floor. But if favors is off, which I really think the Jazz will probably spend 28 of their 40 minutes a night at least, 48 minutes a night with with a spread floor. Uh, so Ricky comes off that pick to the right. Rudy's now rolling down the left lane line. If somebody, if the guy comes from the corner, it's really the only guy who can come. The guy comes from the corner to give a little chuck to to Rudy on his roll because he's shifted over. Frankly, Rudy now could just turn, pick the guy. Rubio's now flinging it over to the left corner for a wide open three. You know, we got we got to knock that down. Joe's a better right corner shooter. Rodney uh, has got to knock down the corner three. He was pretty good at it last year. If my memory off the top of my head is good, uh, Cephalos is an okay corner three shooter. Uh, not not a great one, but he's an okay one. And so, you know that that play right there get gets you looks. It's a very simple, basic premise of the offense. I think it actually might very well be the largest premise of the offense. And so. I think that's the first question. The other one that is a question to me is can Quinn Snyder build and diagram an offense that is gets guys looks? Just simply is good enough that it gets guys looks, that there's a uniqueness to what the Jazz do and the way Quinn's directed it, that it gets guys looks. Because we can look at Cephalosha, and, he, and here's a – I think this is a decent example. He's a 35%, 34.5, three-point shooter. He's a 34.6 catch and shoot. It's not, that's not, those numbers are not great. Once he's open four to six feet last year, he just jumps up that little bit to 37%. Okay? And actually, wide open, he didn't shoot it well. It's kind of like you wonder why that would be or those, what's going on with that. The, the, in, you go to 15, 16, and the numbers are very similar. It's 34.1, 34.5 on catch and shoot. And, and you open it, get him open to four to six feet, and now all of a sudden he's at 42%. Now, again, for whatever weird reason, when he's six-plus feet open, he was down to 30%. I don't, I don't really know what that is. But if you – so you begin to say, all right, wait a sec. If Quinn's got something – and this is a huge burden we're asking, Quinn, and maybe, maybe this is completely unrealistic, but if – if you suddenly are able to, either through the pick and roll I just talked about, or through movement and action, one of the things in the Baxter home piece was trying to make the defense make as many decisions as possible with movement and seeing if they make a mistake somewhere along the way. That's a lot of what the Jazz are doing, too. There's When you think of an offense in the NBA, I think most often what you think about is the ball going into the post in the old school. Guys like Elijah one in the post, guys are spaced outside, and you toss out and you get a catch and shoot. Or now in these this time, day and age, you're running that pick and roll. Guys are static. They're, they're sitting waiting for the catch and shoot. It's a great play. Catch and shoot three is the best play in the game. And that's what you're creating. If you think about uh, Portland 
and Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. What Terry Stotts has created is he's had Plumlee and now Nurkic, huge bodies, waiting with picks below the three-point line, and McCollum and Damian are coming downhill at that pick full steam. And, and, and it's a different aspect than the ball handler, James Harden, pounding at the top, the pick comes set, everything's kind of static. Then James goes, you react defensively. This is CJ and Dame are getting the ball on the move, on a ca- catch and go, uh, and, and heading downhill into the pick. The Warriors do a little bit of this. I think you're going to see more and more of the Jazz having very little static aspect to what they're doing offensively. And so now you're using the pass, the pick, and movement. And movement, when I say movement, it's not necessarily a guy holding the ball, watching other guys move, and trying to find a cutter. It's the ball hand, the, the two-be ball handler moving before he catches and creating action and movement and forcing the defense to make quick decisions and to be always reactionary and always on their heels. And that creates looks. And then does that system get you? And we get to the same thing. Rodney Hood, 37% three-point shooter. Get it to be a catch and shoot. He's at 42%. Get it to be open and he's between four and now include him at the six feet and you suddenly kind of get up to the the 39, 40% with him. NBA shooters get a little bit better if they're wide open. And we can all talk about how the Jazz can't score. I've heard a lot about it. But... When you say that the Jazz can't score, to some extent what you're saying is that, you know, hey, a guy can't beat another guy one-on-one, right? That's that's a little bit of, of what we're saying here is that, yeah, you don't really have just Russell Westbrook, James Harden, uh, Kevin Durant. We don't. LeBron, we don't have that. The, uh, no, no question that we do not have any of that. So now the question is, can you create a system in where you're dealing with the best players in the world and you're asking them to be able to be on the move, take advantage, have an edge when they get the ball by a step, and is that enough to help them out? And I, I, don't, I don't necessarily know the answer, but I think, you know, you t- can you turn Ricky Rubio, who's a 30% three-point shooter, into a 33% three-point shooter because they're open looks? That I mean, that's that's the number. That's 33, not great, but still not bad. If you're in a half-court possession, that's one point per possession. That's pretty good. right? And, and then you deal with your good shooters. So can the Alec Burks on the move tax a defense enough that you're actually getting Joe Johnson – the catch and shoot that's maybe static because he's actually waiting in that position, ready for it. And now you're dealing not with 33, t- turning 31% into 33%. You're taking Joe Johnson, who is a 41% shoot, three point shooter, 42% three point shooter if it's a catch and shoot, and 46% if he's open. And to me, that's the huge question on the Jazz this year is whether or not. There is something Quinn can do uh, with action, with movement, prior and, and create that same phenomena that uh, is out there for uh, that kind of using the Portland and Golden State model a little bit. I mentioned a new sponsorship. Uh, it's the Advocate. I think you've probably heard of the Advocates. They're pretty prominent. Um, 
law firm, deal with uh, predominantly uh, traffic accidents and getting you uh, fair settlements and what you deserve out of those. Here's what I thought was so, you know I like efficiency, right? The pack rating, everything is done on efficiency. And that's that's who these, who that's that's who Matt is. Matt's the, the guy who built the Advocates. Uh, obviously, the end goal with the Advocates is to get you what you deserve uh, and be there for you along the way. But what they've really done is they've figured out the craft. So they have a 106-step process that they have built over the years and individuals working. You know, For example, there's an individual in the office whose job is to get the police report. There's another person whose job is to get the medical information. There's another person whose job is to get whatever that next piece from the insurance companies are. And they're mapped out that if you do point two, then point three comes next, and point four comes after that, and point seven comes after that. And it allows their lawyers to spend more time with their clients. It allows you to know exactly where you are in the process. It allows them to be incredibly efficient. It allows them to make sure that when you call in, you talk to a lawyer within 60 seconds. That's the essence of who they are. You're not talking to somebody else. You're dealing with your lawyer because all of these other things are being taken care of so efficiently at the Utah Advocates that you are able to then get the service that you want. 60 seconds you talk to a lawyer. You schedule your case, you go into the system, and then the checklist kicks in. It's pretty incredible. The fact is, on these type of cases, probably about less than 1% of them go to trial. So you need to make sure that you have somebody who understands the process and that the process is efficient. All accidents are different. But the process is the same. Each of you have a different story, a different experience, have a different need. The process is still the same. And they will treat you individually while that process makes, while they take care of that process in a manner that fulfills and gets you the end result you want. The advocates, the injury attorneys, 801-336-4272. 801-336-4272. Feel free to tell them that, that you heard it here on Locked on Jazz. Hi, this is Nate Duncan from Locked On's Hollinger and Duncan podcast. Those of you who listen to our show know that I try to take a measured approach. I'm not prone to hyperbole. It really takes something special to get me excited. But with all that said, Theragun is simply one of the best products that I have ever used. I just turned 40. I've always loved to work out, to play basketball when it's safe. And as I got into my 30s, it just wasn't possible to do that anymore the way I wanted to because my body didn't feel right. And Theragun has helped me fix so many of the aches and pains. I tried everything, massages, chiropractors, this at-home device, handheld percussive therapy has worked better than any of those for me. And now the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor. It's so quiet. It's no louder than an electric toothbrush. And best of all, you can try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power you need starts at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on, the name of this network right now, and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on, theragun.com slash locked on. All right, two predictions are out uh, from Nylon Calculus, and I like Nylon Calculus. Uh, Jacob Goldstein does some interesting works. He posted this about three weeks ago. I wanted to get. He has a model that, um, and I, you know, it's like pack. It's like anything else. You can decide whether you like it or not. Um, but 
uh, he has his system, which is um, he's quote I have a database of every season played, the first which minutes were tracked using the 1951 to 52. After finding those similar players to everyone who played last year, and see how those players changed projected. So he really is using a project, projected system. Uh, he he sees. The Warriors won at 64, Houston at 58, San Antonio at 55, OKC at 53, Minnesota at 50, Denver at 49, Clippers at 47, and Portland at 43, followed by the Pelicans at 40, the Jazz at 40, Memphis 36, Phoenix, Dallas, Lakers, and Sacramento. So it's interesting. The thun- this is you know the Thunder, the fourth best of that group. Minnesota, Denver, the Clippers, and then Portland wins this little battle of Portland, New Orleans, Utah that most people see happening, and Utah doesn't make it. Over in the east, Cleveland won, but at under 50. Toronto, two. Boston, three. Milwaukee is four. The, the battle for like who sneaks in is interesting. Washington, five. Charlotte, six. Detroit, seven, but at 41 wins. Miami at 41 wins is 8. Philadelphia 9 at 37. The Knicks not terrible at 37. Numbers don't love Carmelo. Orlando 36. Then Brooklyn, Indiana, Chicago, and Atlanta. The next one, another nylon calculus, was done by Andrew Johnson called, called Highly Plausible Win Projections. Uh, he s- says that after finishing the top of the APBR projection board for two years. My projections finished middle of the pack last year, despite having a lower average error rate than prior years and beating both Vegas and 538's Carmelo for the third year in a row. Okay? So uh, here's what he had came out with. In the Eastern Conference, he has Cleveland with 53, Boston 49, Washington 49, Charlotte's his fourth team in. Toronto goes to five, Miami to six, Milwaukee to seven, and he has Indiana as eight. So the only difference there uh, is they had Indiana at 29, and he's got Indiana sneaking in, but at 37, and Detroit is the team that they disagree with on who makes the playoffs. Uh, The lower element of the East is just bad. Uh, there they have uh, then Atlanta or ahead of Orlando. Atlanta winning a little bit more than you'd expect. Um, he does some interesting things with distribution and pinnacle line and where he thinks teams could peak out and um, things like that uh, and odds of making the playoffs. He does have Boston having the highest potential win and Indiana has um, actually skews pretty low uh, on so, some aspects of, of their things and things that could go wrong. Uh, here's what he's got in the West. He's got the Warriors at 69, Houston at 55, the Spurs at 54, Clippers at 54, Minnesota at 47, Oklahoma City at 46, Denver at 43. So, again, that's the same lead guys, but they have the Clippers in at four, which actually I'm not that far off. They have great variants, though, because of their injuries. Um, He has their pinnacle line, which is kind of what he – I don't quite understand how to explain it to you. Um, the Clippers have the the, the huge variance here uh, of all the teams. They have depth, but they you know they have some oft injured guys. But he has them coming in at fourth, right behind the Spurs with Minnesota five, Oklahoma City six, at only forty six wins. That would be interesting. Denver at forty seven, and then eight he has Utah at forty one point three. Um, and a 54% chance of making the playoffs. New Orleans next at 40.5. Uh, 
Portland at 40. Memphis, Dallas, Lakers, Phoenix, Sacramento. I'll finish my pack projections, but my pack projections are going to be really close to this. Really, really close. Actually, it might have New Orleans ahead of Utah uh, for that final spot. But they're very pre- the premise of that is, is very close. The pack ratings just have the Jazz having a really hard time scoring. Uh, the guys are going to have to have years uh, that they didn't have last year. Uh, Utah comes out 11th in the Western Conference offensively, and the Pelicans are, are considerably ahead. Um, my offense in the West has Warriors, Houston, Clippers at three, Minnesota at four, San Antonio at five, Denver at six, Pelicans at seven, Thunder at eight, Sacramento nine, Portland 10, and Utah at 11, tied with Dallas. So uh, Pack will prop, though the defensive numbers get may get the Jazz there uh, overall. All right, that is today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Thanks very much for tuning in. If you're having a hard time getting it, you've got it. Thank you. If you took an extra effort, please tell me what you did and where it was you had that experience. We'll try to straighten these things out over the weekend. Thanks to the advocates. Uh, feel If you need it, if you're in a car accident and you need an attorney, this is the system uh, that you want to experience with. They will take care of you for every last detail in their system, take care of all the things uh, that you need to have done. The Advocates, utahadvocates.com, 801-336-4272. And to Murdoch Hyundai, 4646 South State Street. Go tell Blake, stop in, say hi to Blake, and say, I hear you need to get inventory off your table. That is today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Locked on NBA has the Western Conference preview number two up. Go grab it. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.